Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day everyone, my name is Dave and welcome back to the Think Orange podcast where we want to encourage, inspire and resource you by giving you access to the speakers, thought leaders and experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. And today we're joined by leader, pastor, communicator and coach Lizette Fraser. Now Lizette has spent the last 20 plus years leading youth, college and family ministries and most recently serving at the executive level overseeing all ministries at a large multi-ethnic multi-site church. She is currently the COO of Hillsong Atlanta, is a coach at the Fuller Youth Institute and works with the youth worker community in Canada. Lizette lives in Atlanta with her husband Kyle, their two kids, Abby and Matthias, and two Australian sheepdogs. And today she'll be sharing some of her wisdom around evaluating your next-gen ministry. So first, we're going to talk about elevating community, which we define this way. Give every kid a caring leader and predictable and safe community where they can grow spiritually. Love it. Think it's so important. But when I think about the tension, the first thing that came to mind was, but it's so hard. It doesn't seem to matter what age, what stage, honestly, all the way through life and adulthood, it is really hard to find consistent people that will invest in people's lives for the sake of spiritual development. It's just not easy. And I know if you're anything like me, you're always on the hunt for more people trying to make that happen. And I think what happens in lieu of the fact that it's so hard to do, we start to lean into other areas. And where we tend to lean is really this idea that information will equal transformation right? Information will equal transformation. That's why we invest so heavily in Sunday morning programming or midweek programming. We're going to make that message on real. We're going to make it relevant and authentic and catchy at a puppet show or a band, depending on the age and stage. And you're going to make it so good because our hope is that if that information is excellent, transformation will happen. But I think you and I both know that that's a pretty faulty uh, assessment of how that's going to go. That's a faulty formula. And that faulty formula is not going to help us. And I love how my friend Gina McLean says this. She said, truth is how we need to look at it is that information plus conversation multiplied by relationship, that's what's going to get us transformation. And I think if you and I reflected on our own lives, we know that it took conversation and it took relationship that was invested in our lives for our spiritual journey to transform us the way it has. And so we need all of those things together. So if we believe that, if we really believe that, then we have to consider how to reprioritize that. And honestly, when I think about what happened when this pandemic hit, anything that was a crack now became a chasm. So where we had small group leaders that were really invested in their kids' lives, let me tell you, when this pandemic hit, they had the ability to step in and care for those kids in unbelievable ways. But where we were lacking leadership, where we were lacking consistent investment, it's really, really hard for us to reach those kids and families right now. And so that crack became a chasm. And here's what I realized, that we can't get them to engage in information right now. The only thing that works in crisis is relationship. And so where we don't have it, we're hurting, and maybe you feel that as well in your ministry. And so I want to invite us to reprioritize the importance of community. 
you know, the madness of scheduling, of prepping programming, of making sure every stage and age and place and program and da, 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 is ready all the time is exhausting. And you and I will function in that urgency as opposed to getting after the important things. But as leaders, as next gen leaders that are really entrusted to steward the entirety of our ministry scope, our job is to not be ruled by the tyranny of the urgent, but to take a step in and say, no, I will make sure that I chase the important and get after that. And the important is making sure that we're recruiting, we're training, we're equipping, and we're encouraging leaders that will invest in young people and be consistent leaders in their lives and create predictable and safe spaces for them for the long haul. The second one. Here we go. Engage every parent. So here's how we define that. Engage parents to have a positive influence in the spiritual development of their own kids. So what does it look like for you and I to evaluate engaging every parent? And I'm not going to lie, two tensions come up for me anytime I have this conversation with my team, um, with anyone in this world. Here's what I hear. The first is, we never say it this way, but allow me to say it right now. We think we're better at it. I know that's not a very popular thing to say, and you're probably like, nah, I would never say that. Here's the thing. We're more professional. We've been trained longer. We think we're more intentional. And sometimes we actually think kids like us better than they like their parents. And somewhere in there creeps in this little bit of arrogance that says, I might be better at spiritually developing your kid than you are. And I don't think we mean to do that, but it's pretty easy for us to slip into that mode. And then I would say the second tension that comes up, and this for sure comes up the older the kids get, is where the parents. If they're not there, how do I even connect with them? How do I engage with a parent? I don't know. And you know, when um, parents are bringing their kids to nursery and preschool ministry, it's so easy to understand their value and their importance, because we know that kid wouldn't get there without them. But once they hit middle school and high school, all of a sudden those kids are coming on their own. They're getting dropped off by their parents. They're being brought by friends. And, you know, the further the parent is, the less we even consider them and the less we even think about them. But if you and I know and you and I believe that every parent is the primary spiritual influencer of their kid's life, would we not need to fight for this? Would we not need to make this a priority because the truth is that's true and parents are always going to be there. Um, we are really there for a season of a kid's life, but a parent is there for the entirety of a kid's life. And so their impact is going to be bigger and it's going to be more significant. And whatever age and stage we're in for that little window, that's all we are. But that parent is always there. And so if that's true, I really want to invite us to consider a couple things as we evaluate this. The first is, how do you view your role in a kid's spiritual development? Where do you think you're at in the journey? Do you see yourself as the driver of a kid's faith journey? Or do you see yourself as a passenger who gets to hop in the family car for a piece of the journey? Because you see, how we see ourselves is how we're going to play out our ministry. And if we see ourselves as the driver, well, we're going to treat ourselves as the most important piece of the puzzle of that. But if we believe that every child has already been on a spiritual journey before they enter our program, and at that moment, we get invited into the proverbial car ride, and we hop on in, and we join the family, we realize at that moment that the parent is the driver, and really they're the most important thing in that kid's life, and the most important thing for the safety of that journey, we're all of a sudden going to invest and think differently about the driver. 
The second thing I would encourage us to do is take an honest look at how many parents you're engaging. I think sometimes we're not as honest as we want to be about where we're at with engaging parents. And we really do need to consider you know, how many parents are you talking to? When are you talking to them? Are your teams talking to them? Are they seeing the ones that have never been there before? Are they chasing them? Are they engaging them? And if they're really the most important thing in a kid's life and they're going to be there forever, what does it look like for us to really champion them, to really engage them, to really encourage them, and to really equip them for success? Third, we're going to talk about aligning leaders. Here's how we talk about that. We say align leaders to lead with the same end in mind, with a common language and a common strategy. I think there's a tension as soon as we say the word align, because it's so unbelievably hard to get anyone moving the same direction. Alignment applies something that was out of whack in the first place. And whenever you put a group of people together, they're going to be out of whack. And when I think about ministry teams, specifically next-gen teams, I feel like one of the things you're always fighting is the fact that somebody believes they're the redheaded stepchild. At any given moment, somebody believes that. And what's wild is it's not just your middle school pastor, although that is often assumed. And the tension underneath the tension is the fact that at any given moment, every single one of them believes they're either the favorite child or the redheaded stepchild, and they swap roles all the time. And that makes it so unbelievably hard to get everyone on the same page all the time, leading the same direction. But every leader needs to be reminded how important they are and how valuable their role is on the team. Um, if we believe every kid matters, we believe their leaders really matter because their leaders are setting the stage for everything we do, for everything we do to care for parents and kids. And so we need to find ways to align our leaders. And honestly, I think there's this beauty as a next gen leader, your role provides focus, provides direction, and really provides a sense of peace because most of us led in one age or stage before we ever led in the next gen role. And we loved it and we had a very defined role in the midst of that. And sometimes it was hard and sometimes it was easy, but we had a specific box. But the beauty of what we get to do as a next gen leader is we get to get there and help them see the whole picture together. And then we get to say, here's your lane. I wanna clear it as well as I can so you can run in a direction so that you can win and you can lead. And we get to do that for our teams in a way that is really, really beautiful. And, you know, I will say without a shadow of a doubt, it is easier to just let everybody do their own thing. It really is. It is way easier for us to let everybody do their own thing. But the reality is, it's not better. Easier is not always better. And in this case, it really isn't. The better move is for us to get our teams aligned. And, you know, I had a mentor once ask me what, what I was doing, you know, in kinder words than that. And I remember him saying to me, and it was so profound, he just said, in a world that is constantly in change and in flux, and we feel that now more than ever, what would it look like for the church to be a place of peace, of sanctuary, and safety? He goes, the normal experience for a parent is no matter what age they show up for, the experience is so different and feels so off that the church becomes as destabilizing as the world does. But he goes, instead, we could offer families a place where we're completely aligned as a next-gen team, where we show up the same no matter the age and stage, and families trust that we're a place of consistency, of peace, and of safety, and that we champion them to be the best they are wherever they are. And so I want to encourage you um, that it is important for us to fight for alignment. I want you I want to ask you these questions. Have you identified a strategy and common language? And if you haven't, 
Orange has one. It's pretty incredible. They've done the hard work for us. And I would encourage you to take a look at it. If you have it and you use it, how often do you talk about it and how often do you review it? I forget stuff a lot. I need a lot of reminders and so do our teams. So how often are you reviewing it? How often are you talking through it and reminding your team? And then where's accountability? I think one of the most challenging things for us as leaders is we put out these targets and these goals, strategy and common language, but if we never hold people accountable to it, um, they don't believe that it matters to us. And that's the hard work of being a leader. And so I want to encourage you to consider that. The fourth thing we're going to talk about is refining the message. Craft core truths into engaging, relevant and memorable experiences that correlate with the faith formations of each phase. The tension of refining the message is just this. Every age and stage needs something unbelievably different. And I think as a next-gen leader, that's tricky. What your preschool and your high school are doing are so different that sometimes it's hard for us to be experts at training and equipping our teams to really refine their messages and be thoughtful about them. And sometimes we don't care about what each other one is doing nearly as well as we should. And this goes back to our conversation on alignment. But let me tell you one more time, um, it is so unbelievably important for us as leaders to be able to align our teams and to help them refine their message. Because if we're thinking about a child's life holistically from birth through, let's just go high school uh, graduation, when we're thinking about that journey into adulthood, we really want them to get different blocks along the way, right? We They need to crawl, and then they walk, and then they run, and then, you know, there's so many pieces of the journey, but that's the same spiritually. And we need to refine the message in such a way that we can trust one another on our teams from preschool through high school, that we're all building on those blocks together to help a young person run a faith for a lifetime. And so that's our job. And And so have you ever considered what it looks like to make sure that you have defined the message and refined the message in such a way for each age and stage? Again, Orange has it. If you've never looked at it, it it's unbelievable. It is so helpful for us. And it helps us know that whoever's before us age and stage-wise or after us age and stage-wise is carrying the bowl with us in order to help young people come to know and love Jesus for a lifetime. The last one we're going to look at is influencing service, creating consistent opportunities for kids and teenagers to serve. Um, There's such a tension in this. And here's, here's one that came to mind very quickly. It's just the scope of our thinking on what it looks like to serve faithfully um, as kids and what we believe about young people. And honestly, what I see most of the time is that we're going to give a kid an opportunity somewhere generally kids ministry to serve. And then what happens is, is that kid goes to serving kids ministry and they don't know what they're doing. So they don't do a good job. Then the middle school pastor and the kids pastor are frustrated and everyone just goes, I don't know why we do this. This is why kids shouldn't serve. Maybe when they become adults, they can give it another world. And it feels like there's a pretty common cycle that I see on that. And the bummer about that is, is that somewhere in the midst of that, we've lost what it means to believe, A, that a young person has the ability to serve, and B, that we set them up to win. And the truth is, is that if we believe every child is created in the image of God, every person is, and they're created with purpose for purpose, um, then they have that. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that there's an age when that starts. In fact, it can start at any point. And so if that is true, then how do our ministries reflect that? How do we reflect that we believe young people can make an impact now? 
And that means that we have to do the hard work of finding places for them to serve and to try and to learn. But it also means we need to do the hard work of equipping the adult leaders that are going to receive them. And I think we need to think broadly and widely. I remember we took our kids on their first mission trip at four and six years old. And it was unreal to take these little guys to work um, in the outskirts and pretty rough neighborhoods of Tijuana to help build a house. Could they really help? No, they could hardly pick up a hammer at that point in time. But you know what it did? It started to birth this idea that no matter their age and stage, they had the ability to make an impact for the kingdom. And we continued to model that through the years. They were actually reminding me about it today. Um, They were talking about when their dad worked with them in the one-year-old room, when they were in first and second grade. And all those things have led them at 17 and 19 years old now to love serving. It's like it's in their DNA almost like God maybe intended it that way. So if we believe that, how do we do that? I want to encourage you to consider what are the areas and opportunities you have as a church right now where you say young people can serve? How young can they be? Can they help greet at the doors at seven? Probably. Um, Maybe even younger. We have a very cute parking attendant at four years old. His vest is tiny. But I can assure you he does it with his dad. Have no fear. Um, But where can they serve? And then how are you equipping the adults to be ready to receive them? And I think we just have to consider those things. And then we have to consider how we continue to do that. How do we continue to equip the kids for their roles? And how do we continue to equip the adults to receive them so that we can train up young people to learn how to serve at a young age? That was just a really quick run through. And there's a lot we could do to talk about that. But here's the thing. It matters. It matters a lot. Why? Because what we've been entrusted with is way too important to not evaluate. It is way too important when we think about the eternal life journey of a young person and their faith to not step back pretty consistently and reevaluate what we're doing and assure that we're staying on the right path. And so that's why we wanted to do that with you today. And I hope this has been a helpful conversation. Well, now you know why we asked Lizette to be on the podcast. Wasn't that absolutely amazing? And if you'd like to take your family ministry assessment today, you can find it at orangeleaders.com. That website again is orangeleaders.com. And if today's episode was helpful, we'd love if you could leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, thanks so much for listening. My name is Dave Adamson. And as always, when you think next generation or church strategy, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.